Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hey, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. I think we can really get this thing started now. Oh, we got it going on now. <laughs> got the on the air sign on. We are on the air. Why, why is it that on days when we're really under the gun mm-hmm. for time to get yes. these things recorded is when we have these struggles to get it recorded? I think it keeps us humble. <laughs> it it certainly does. keeps us humble. It absolutely does. But we're in Hebrews chapter 4. I would like for you to read verses 11 through 13 in your New King James Bible. You up for that? Uh, yeah, I am. I happen to be opened there now. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The living, active, sharp word of God, the piercing sight of God, these are the things I want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. I did want us to include verse 11, because I have to tell you, I have heard sermons, I think I've probably preached sermons, that jumped into verse 12 and just wanted to talk about the nature of the Word of God. Sure. And that's fine, because it does tell us the nature of the Word of God. Absolutely. But but this week, reading Hebrews chapter 4 over and over again, Mm -hmm. it was a reminder that you take every verse in context. Sure. Because he's not just telling us about the nature of the word to say, okay, all right, now point three in my sermon, here's the nature of the word. Yeah. He, it's, it's, there's actually a reason. It's, it's all built on, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God. Because you, here's mm-hmm. what you need to do. You need yeah. to do this because this is the way the word is. He's telling us about the nature of the word to drive home that we need to strive to enter the rest. Well, and and yeah, so let's just back up and talk about that for a second. As we've been talking about uh, this week and, and last week a little bit too, what we have in chapter 3 and chapter 4 is really a sermon coming out of this psalm, highlighting some particular phrases in it, today, the rest. But when I think about the word of God that's been highlighted, uh, I think about uh, he swore they would not enter his wrath, mm-hmm. right? Chapter his four, rest. Excuse me, rest. By his wrath. I'm looking at chapter 4 and verse 3. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. That is sharp, isn't it? That is sharp. <laughs> that is it sharp. It is a dividing line. It yeah. is a dividing line. Yeah. So he says, so earlier in the week we talked about let us fear lest we fail to enter that rest. Yes. Now we have another exhortation, strive to enter that rest. Uh, the New King James says, be diligent. Be diligent, yeah. So the same word in the ESV is actually translated, be diligent, oh, okay. in Second Peter, twice. Okay. And Peter uses this term, and it's be diligent in the ESV, Second Peter 1.10 and chapter 3.14. In uh, Paul uses it in Galatians 2.10 and Ephesians 4.3. There the ESV translates it eager. Be okay. eager to enter the rest. So so strive, be diligent, be eager. But here's my favorite. When Paul was writing to Timothy and Titus, repeatedly he tells them, do your best, or that's the mm-hmm. way the ESV mm-hmm. has translated it. Do your best. 
And we got 2 Timothy 2.15, 4.9, 4.21, and Titus 3.12. That's how this word is used. Do your best mm-hmm. to enter the rest. Why? Why should I do my best to enter the rest? He says, I'm telling you why. Because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword that can divide between soul and spirit and joint and marrow and even thoughts and intentions of the heart. And because, look, the the, the sight of God is piercing. Mm-hmm. It, there's no darkness that hides. Your, look, you need to do your best to enter the rest because this is what we know about the word of God. And so now I back up and think, well, why does that even make his case here? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Because this whole sermon, as you've pointed out this week, is anchored in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So Psalm 95 is, we said the other day, yes, it's David writing it, but who's saying Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. God is saying it. So the point our Hebrew author is making is, look, God said this. This is the way it is. Mm-hmm. You need to do your best to enter his rest. You're not going to accidentally enter into his rest. Yeah. You're not going to just be wandering about and stumble into his rest. And you're not going to be able to sneak into his rest. You're not going to be able to disregard what God has said, but while he's looking the other way, kind of sneak around the, in the pearly gates and make your way in and, and just kind of stay under the radar for all eternity. It's not going to work like that. His word is sure. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. So he says, so you guys do your best. Don't strive. Be eager. Don't, don't, don't give up. Don't neglect. Don't drift away. Don't rebel because this word has spoken and it is going to work the way God has said it's going to work. So often when I think about the the Word of God and being that sharp sword, I think of it as an instrument that's going to, you know, refute error and, uh, you know, e- expose false things and, you know, d- protection and advancing the gospel and all that. But, you know, in light of this sermon, really that sword is also pointed right at me. Yes. Yeah? That, uh, that you know, he may swear in his wrath, I don't enter the rest— uh, he's certainly um, cutting at my heart about the importance of today and what I'm doing with that uh, in my own life. Is it striving in faithfulness? Is it encouraging and exhorting the the brothers around me? Um, and that word of God is pointing at me to say, what is going on in your heart? Because we've been warned in chapter 3 and here in chapter 4 that there could be an evil heart of unbelief, uh, something like that brewing in there that's going to manifest itself ultimately in disobedience. The Word of God's calling me, cutting me. I know people have heard this before, but I have to say it. Just, uh, it's, it's a softball. I get it, but we need to be reminded when I was a kid. I would see those goofy bumper stickers that would say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Yeah. What what the Hebrew writer is saying is God said it, that settles it, you better believe it. You believe it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what he's saying. He says, look, the word, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God's word is settled. It mm-hmm. is what it is. It is living. Mm-hmm. It is not dead. It is alive. It remains and it abides. First Peter chapter 1 uh, verse 24, quoting actually from Isaiah 40, all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. 
He said, look, it lives. It is not dead. It has not lost its power and its vitality. By the way, that's important. When we hear people today say, why would I want to live my life based on a 2,000-year-old book? I'll tell you why. Because God's Word is living. It still has its power and vitality. I think we need to make that point for the benefit of people who uh, would cast cast dispersions against the Bible because it is 3,000-year-old written in another language. They mock the antiquity of it. But you know, there's even people today who profess to be believers, Mm -hmm. and they'll say, oh, the Bible's a dead letter. I was talking to a guy one time. Uh, and you know, we we were talking about religious things. We were actually at a at a tire shop and getting new tires on. And anyway, this fellow is talking about where he goes to church, and and uh, it sounded like it was a very, you know, kind of excited, charismatic flavored place. But but he actually made the statement. He goes, well, you know, the Bible's a dead letter. Yeah. You know, when the spirit comes on us, then it then it comes alive. And I said, we well, you know the Bible says just the opposite about the Bible, don't yeah. you? Yeah. It's living. Living. Active. It's living. Active. You're saying it's a dead letter, and I'm telling you, it's living. Well, and keep in mind, just just to keep this in context, here the Hebrew author is talking about a psalm Mm -hmm. that was written, what, a thousand years prior to? Yes. Yes, Prior to when he's quoting it. Yeah. And he's saying that's the word of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he used the scripture to face Satan in temptation. He was using scripture that was written, what, 1,500 years yeah. to 2,000 years prior to? His walking. He's, he's like, the earth, yeah. why, why, would I, why would I conduct my life based on a 1,500-year-old, 2,000-year-old book? What's what Jesus did. Jesus did that. It's, it's actually what Jesus did. And so here we have this living and active word. I think about Isaiah 55. Mm. In Isaiah 55, uh, God says through Isaiah, For as the rain and the snow came down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, Mm -hmm. but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Uh, and, And he goes on and talks about that. But it's the idea that God's word is active yeah. ener- energy. It's energio here that's actually being used. The, the work, it works. It's active. It works, and it accomplishes the things God sent it out for. And so if he said, you act like this, then I swear you will not enter my rest, it, it's going to work that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. It's going to work that way. Likewise, if you'll hear his voice, right? If you'll hear this word, oh yeah, don't harden your hearts. And isn't that interesting? Because this word is so sharp, it can point out the division and discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's amazing. I think, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some things that we can learn from this, maybe about the distinction between soul and spirit and joints and marrow and thoughts and intentions. I really think what he's saying is this, this, this knife is so sharp, it can divide things that appear to us to be indivisible. Well, yeah, yeah and you think your heart is hard, okay? Ooh. Right? It, you, it'll you don't it'll hard, cut right don't through harden it. your heart. Good you point. think you got a hard heart. No, you don't. <laughs> Not for this. Cutco ain't got nothing on the word of the Lord. That's exactly right. I, I can tell you that. And so here's his point. And, and really one of the things I think about, especially thinking about these two-edged swords, you want to fight against the word of the Lord? You want to pull out your own sword and take on God's sword? You need to understand how powerful and sharp his yeah. sword is. It will cut through whatever. It will mow you down mm-hmm. if you decide mm-hmm. to fight against the word of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Then his metaphor shifts just a little bit because he goes from the word to the vision, the sight. Oh, that's right. Verse 13, that there is nothing hidden, no creature hidden from his sight. 
all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Here's what's fascinating. The give account, that actually is the same word as word. That's logos. Oh. To whom we must give reckoning. Give our word. So he's he's got a word, mm-hmm. and we are going to have to give our word, our reckoning to him, our account. We're going to give account. And so even though he's kind of shifted the metaphor from the speech to the vision, yeah. it is still back in that idea of he has a word, and because of his word, we are going to give account. We are going to give our reckoning, our accounting, our word to him. And how sobering is it that there is no hiding this? We can't lie when we give this word. We can't this lie about it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be all laid bare. It's already laid bare before him. We may kid ourselves. We may deceive others. But, but God has always seen it through. Which connects again to it can divide asunder even between the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in Genesis, when all the thoughts of man's heart were only evil continually, God mm-hmm. knew and God knows. Mm-hmm. And so here's his point. He says, look, you're not going to accidentally get into the rest. You're not going to stumble into it, but you're not going to sneak into it. You're not going to go against God's word and somehow get his rest. Mm-hmm. He says, you need to do your best to enter the rest because God's word is absolute. He said it, that settles it. You better believe it and you better live by it. Yeah. And and enter the rest on purpose. Yeah. We got to wrap up today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, This is the reason why we keep reading the text and talking about it, because the Word of God is living and active and sharp. We'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Head over to the Facebook page. Jump into the discussions over there. Let's wrap up with a prayer. Glorious God, I admit... Man, this I, I, I'm excited today as we're talking, and I feel like I've probably, even in my voice, demonstrated excitement, but I also admit there's a little bit of fear here. There's fear, because I hear how powerful and strong your word is, and I do not want to fight against it. And so I pray for your strength and your grace. Lord, where we are fighting against your word, defeat us now so that we don't get to that day of judgment and find out we're defeated. Defeat us now and and pull us in and draw us to you. Let us see your word. Let us understand your word. Let us encourage one another with your word every day as long as it's called today. And may we enter your rest by your strength and your power and your grace and by the promise of your word. Lord God, thank you for loving us so very much. We love you. It's through your son Jesus, our King, our Savior, the Word of God, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Who's supposed to start this? <laughs> well, the thing here. is, when you, you when you do your sound engineering, you're going to be throwing fits, thinking we didn't even record this episode. <laughs> I know, no kidding. <clears throat>